Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. And I'm Adam Gobeski. And please welcome our special guest, my wife, Brianne. Hi. And so we are here today to talk about installment 61 of the Mary Marvel Movie March, Ooh. Avengers Infinity War. Oh, boy. Is what I would say if uh, our schedules hadn't all collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> so although this is the... The Mary Marvel Movie March slot, uh, it is momentarily postponed. Well, at least this lets the audience know that we're not all losers who have all of our time free, all of the time for podcasting. (laughs) I suppose that's true. I assume they thought that up to this point, but yes. (laughs) Yeah, Labor Day is usually a good opportunity to get together and podcast. However, we're camping. I thought you guys just went camping. We did. We decided, man, we've always meant to go camping. Let's just pick three weekends and do it. So it was all the result of one about 30 minute effort <laughs> to rent campsites. How much are you roughing it when you camp? Are you are you pitching a tent? Are you you're in a camper? You're in a hotel and you look out the window and you see the outdoors? <laughs> we are. We're What's act- your level? We're actually in a tent. We've got a couple of battery operated fans and we have a vehicle there. And we have allowed ourselves the possibility of jumping ship at any moment if we need to with our toddler, <laughs> which you kind of you need kind of need to have an out for yourself and sort of like not beat yourself up too much if things go south. But it went well last time. We only went for one night, but Celeste actually fell asleep in the tent and it was not a complete disaster. I did get stung by a bee and it turns out I've never been stung by a bee in my life. I know this because I had an allergic reaction <laughs> to that bee. Not anaphylactic. You're in the lead here. <laughs> you got stung by a bee? This is what the listeners want to know about, Charlie. <laughs> uh, when I was maybe in first grade, I'd either gotten stung by a bee or a wasp. I didn't know. It hurt, but it was fine. And so the same thing happened to me while I was out on this camping trip. I was like, ah, that hurt for like an hour, and then it stopped. So yeah, my upper arms swole up, and, and not in the good way. I took Benadryl for basically the entire week. It was exhausted, and now I seem to be doing better, so I guess I'm slightly allergic to bees. This I learned. This week camping. Are you sure you didn't just get stunned in the same place where they implanted your 5G microchip when you got the COVID vaccine? Oh, so it's the self-destruct sequence? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, if you break the skin at that point, they don't want to leave evidence, right? I'm glad the nanobots repaired it properly. Apparently, we're in conspiracy corner. (laughs) It's about as far as I'm willing to go with it, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Conspiracy corner is not as much fun when it's too close to reality, (laughs) which is to say too close to what people actually believe. (laughs) Too close to some people's reality. Unreality. But yeah, so that's what I'm doing next week, too. And hopefully, hopefully less bee stings. Who knows? Is it a honeybee, a bumblebee? I don't know. It, It was a I don't even know it was a bee. It was a very sharp pain in my forearm that I took to be a bee. There were bees around. It could have been a poison dart, a la Captain America, the cereal, the 1930 cereal. Maybe it was a secret vaccination. Oh, well, they didn't need to do that in secret. I'll take any vaccination I can get. <laughs> I'm one of those sheep, you know, just. <laughs> All vax? All vax. Hashtag yeah. covert vax. <laughs> <laughs> So what's your deal? Why are you uh, having trouble scheduling recently? Um, I kind of got the lead in a musical. <laughs> by mis- not mistake. By It was unexpected. 
and not just unexpected because one doesn't expect to be cast when they audition, but like actually unexpected. <laughs> the audition itself was unexpected. Yeah. Oh, I see. So it was a covert audition. <laughs> Surprise! It's an not audition. Exactly. <laughs> so I got cast in this musical. It's called Million Dollar Quartet. Uh, it is based on the real Million Dollar Quartet, which is uh, Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, and Jerry Lee Lewis, who are all in the same recording studio at Sun Records one day, or at night, I guess. And so this musical is based on it. The upshot is that they needed people who can sing and act and play their own instruments. So a friend of mine was auditioning for Jerry Lee Lewis, and so he like invited me along. He's like, yeah, you could do one of these parts easily. And I was like, eh... I don't know, man. It's I don't know that I'm ready for that. <laughs> like that just seems like a lot <laughs> of pressure for something I haven't even thought about. So he went and did the audition. It went went really well. And so we were hanging out, and he got a call from the theater saying, "Hey, congratulations! Uh, you've got the part of Jerry Lee Lewis." And he was like, "Oh, thank you so much." And he was like, "Oh, P.S. Uh, do you know anyone else who can uh, play guitar and sing and could be the other any of the other leads?" My friend was like, "Well." Yeah, uh, he asked me, he's like, do you want to do it? Guitar, really. I'm not really a lead player. And so I think he sent him a text and was like, or maybe he was talking to them at this point and was like, yeah, uh, he says he's only rhythm guitar, but, you know, otherwise. And they were like, that's fine. And I was like, all right, I can send a quick video audition along if you want. They'd originally asked you if you wanted to do Johnny, if you were able to do Johnny Cash. Did they? Yes. And we basically said... Uh, that's lower than I can sing. Way too low for him, yeah. So, yeah, Brian was there, too. Yeah, so we just auditioned really close. We were really close. We just, yeah, we were just like, hey, um, all right. And I just kind of sang through it and played, and uh, my friend was just on piano as well. And uh, so we sent the video along, and then uh, he got another phone call from them, like, two minutes later that was like, hey, uh he can have whatever part he wants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like, well, Carl, Carl Perkins is probably the role I'd be best suited for. So and they were like, yep. Yeah, okay. Well, it's yours. Congratulations. I was like, Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, All right. <laughs> and so that's how I got in a show. I wasn't expecting to get into. Ah, that's a good ego. <laughs> boost. Really even was aware of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it got slightly less of an ego boost. Like I came down a bit when the next day, like the music director calls me and he's like, "Yeah, so we hired you, but we uh, realize we don't know anything about your background in guitar or anything because you didn't audition, so we don't have a resume or anything. <laughs> so if you can just kind of like, oh yeah, no, I've been playing for like 15 years, mainly rhythm, that kind of stuff. So he was like, "All right, cool, great." <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, so that's Million Dollar Quartet out at Fountain Hills Theater here in Arizona. For those who want to attend, the show goes up... October 15th? I don't know what the day is. It's October 15th to the 31st. Why do you know this? (laughs) (laughs) It's October 15th through the 31st. With a potential extension into November. Oh, nice. Which it would not surprise me if you guys do. Yeah, the director said that on the one hand, this was the sort of show that would normally extend. But he said, on the other hand, COVID's made everything topsy-turvy. So he didn't know for certain because not, you know, people aren't necessarily going out shows. Oh, sure. Although the the theater's taking it very seriously. Like we're all masked in rehearsals and 
they had like protocols posted online of like, you know, proof of vaccination or wear a mask the whole time, that kind of stuff. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. This is the only theater that I know of that is saying that if you are not going to wear a mask inside, that you have to prove you're vaccinated or prove that you've had a negative test within 72 hours. Nice. Or or wear a mask. And knowing them, they're going to be very serious about that. They were really cautious when we did, because it's the same theater I did uh, one of my shows at, which is nice to know that there's theaters out there that are really taking it seriously. Yeah, it's the same uh, music director that you had that I have. Yep. And I said something to him the effect of, oh, I just, you know, I know Brianne's talked about, man, I want to make sure that I don't make her look bad or whatever. And he was like, we've never talked about you. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, between uh, that and camping, uh, that's why we're not doing Infinity War for this episode. We'll do it. We'll do it soon, yeah. Yeah, we'll do it soon. 201 or so. 201, yeah. Instead, we're going to talk about the musical that the whole nation is talking about, I assume. Certainly everyone I know. Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> and that is the musical Annette, available on Amazon Prime, uh, directed by Leos Carax. He did Holy Motors. Yeah, that's about the main thing that I've ever heard. I mean, I haven't seen it either, so this was the first thing I'd watched that he directed. Yep, same here. He's a French director. Why we all went and saw it is uh, that the music of this musical is by the band Sparks. It's safe to say you probably wouldn't have seen it otherwise. Probably reasonably safe to say that. I certainly wouldn't have gone to the theater to see it, which I actually, well, we, Bran and I, both went to an actual in-person theater to see it. So I figured we would be the only people there. And that wasn't really true. Two middle-aged women came in after us, an older middle-aged man. Uh, They were also in there. I don't think they made it more than 30 minutes in. <laughs> it's like Kara made it, I think, a couple I of minutes in. <laughs> and she's like, I know I'm not going to like this movie. <laughs> I'm going to go watch something else upstairs. <laughs> I, I, that's that's how I feel about this, too. Is like, you, you know pretty quickly whether or not you're going to uh, be even remotely on board with this. <laughs> yeah, I was honestly surprised that there were people who had gone and were like, Oh, that sounds like it might be our kind of thing. (laughs) I think by the scene that everyone's talking about, um, that was when they decided that they'd had enough. (laughs) This was not for them. But yeah, we should talk a little bit about Annette here on Fake Cinematic Respect. Yeah. (laughs) If it wasn't for you knowing about Sparks and wanting to watch this for the podcast, I maybe had a 50% chance of seeing it. And only because it... I already have Amazon Prime, and it stars Adam Driver. Well, it also opened Can this year. It did open Can this year and got and, uh, mixed reviews. And yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't think that's true. No, no, uh, I know it got a five-minute standing ovation. Well, I got the impression that Can does that a lot, and that the yeah. actual reviews ended up being mixed. I don't know that. I well, don't know that the so not oh not glowing Jenner- overwhelmingly glowing. I suppose. Can reviews were mixed, and and certainly Carex won Best Director for it. So no, well at Can, which I assume is the other reason you were going to see it because I know you're a big Can Best Director. Can head, head. yep. Yeah. <laughs> Won't watch movies unless they got that wheat symbol on them, as I, oh, I know. said. <laughs> All those festival symbols like bears and wheat and stuff, any of them, pile them up. Let's see. 
Bears, wheats, wheats, <laughs> uh, lions. Those yeah. are the big European three, right? Sounds right. Uh, what do you get at Aspen? A snowboard? <laughs> golden snowboard? <laughs> golden avalanche. <laughs> the golden tourist. But yeah, I mean, we've, we've, I think it's been documented on this podcast how much you like Sparks, even in our last episode. Yeah. Where I single handedly converted Tony's boyfriend into a Sparks fan, and I won't hear anyone tell me that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No follow up required. <laughs> nope. Don't need to. But yeah, so that was, that was why I dragged Brianne to see it. Brianne, I guess he dragged you then. Would you have seen this otherwise or only because Adam insisted? Well, I probably would have watched it because I'm kind of a fan of theatrical musicals, but I didn't even know that it was even a thing if Adam hadn't mentioned it. So now that I knew what it was, yes, I was all anxious. I was all ready to go and see the movie. But had he not let me know what that it was even existed, I don't think I would have until someone else recommended it. And let's be honest, no one else would have recommended it because no one else would have seen it. (laughs) That's right. Certainly not among the people we know. (laughs) I'm pretty sure most of the musical theater crowd around here probably would go in, see the first song and be like, oh, okay. And then after that, be like, I'm done. (laughs) Turn it off. Unless they know Sparks. Which they don't. Yeah, I was described because people ask afterwards, we're like, oh, what'd you see? And we're like, oh, we saw a net. What's a net? And I was like, well, I was describing it as an art rock opera filtered through a French art film lens, <laughs> which I felt was reasonably accurate and also made people be like, OK, that does not sound like my thing. Except for one guy, the aforementioned Jerry Lee Lewis guy who was like, yeah, all right, I'll try it. It's on Amazon Prime. No, we kind of got cast in a show, but we could probably mention it again. He may watch it. But when we mentioned that um, you could see uh, Marion Cotillard's boobs, <laughs> and he was like, oh, I'm on board. <laughs> you have to just watch Adam Driver staring at you at the same time, though. <laughs> well, if you're John Oliver, then. <laughs> we've kind of talked that we've seen it. We really haven't talked what it's about. So three sentences or less, right? Is that how this works? Still? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Marion Cotillard plays Anne, who is a well-known operatic soprano. And she's in a relationship with uh, Adam Driver's character. Henry McHenry. Henry McHenry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who uh, is, I guess, basically an insult comic, kind of. Yeah, he calls himself a provocateur. So yeah. basically, yeah, he's uh, people laugh at him and he has like his own one man show that's very out there. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> yeah, but he is popular. It's established in the but, movie that he is yeah. popular at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> they get married and they have the uh, have a child, the, the titular Annette, who uh, may have a special gift. And also lots of other events happen because it's a movie. <laughs> let's be honest uh you're probably not going to watch this movie so we're going to spoil this for you yeah if you're interested in watching it uh pause now it's on amazon prime go watch it or go steal your friend's account or whatever steal charlie's account yeah hackers guess the password <laughs> not as hard as you'd think eight zero zero eight one three s five <laughs> no it's s oh gotta have a little bit of that's of, right of protection so yeah, we're gonna spoil the hell out of the net. I don't. I don't know. Can you spoil this movie? <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, I guess if you really cared about the 
plot. I guess, yeah, I suppose so. But I don't know that it's a movie you're watching for the plot because it's not a very... Very standard. Yeah, it's a pretty standard feeling plot. doesn't feel like there's anything particularly unusual about it in terms of dramas. Yeah. In fact, most of it is telegraphed from the very beginning of the movie, which is fine. But like, yeah, going back at the very end of it, I was like, oh, yeah, he says that he kills and that she dies and the accompanist seems really interested in her I'm like all right that's <laughs> that's your plot right there <laughs> yep but we don't know that until we're done that's true you don't know for sure again we realize that they were foreshadowing oh you oh, watched it again tech- no no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to i really did but then life got yeah away. exactly yeah Oh, just consequently, we haven't seen this for a couple of weeks, so uh, yeah, we might take us a bit. To get <laughs> it might going. take us a minute to go. Oh yeah, that did happen. When All did right. you watch this? I watched this last night, actually. Okay, okay, so it's fresh. It's for you. pretty, pretty fresh. But I don't know. Let's. I guess let's put off the biggest spoiler of the movie for just a little bit and talk about Adam Driver. Yay, nay. How are how are you all on Adam Driver? I like Adam Driver. He was probably one of the more interesting things of the star wars movies i've i saw him in uh the man who killed don quixote where he was fine oh yeah i still haven't got a chance to check that one out i don't think that movie could have lived up to the reputation it had acquired over 20 years of attempting to make it no but it was okay adam driver's sort of actor i think is interesting in just about anything he does it doesn't mean i like whatever it is he's in but he'll usually make it a lot more interesting in any case that's certainly true here. And he's supposed to be this comedian, right? Yeah, it's a good thing they had a laugh track. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's This happens in movies and TV all the time. It's like whenever they have like a main character that's supposed to be a comedian, they're never funny. Right. Although here, I think that's very intentional. I but. will say, though, that like at the beginning, like they have the the laughter and I was like, this isn't that funny. And in the later set when he's bombing and he's talking about how he tickled his wife to death and then he tries to kill himself by tickling himself. I was like, OK, that's actually kind of funny, but no one's laughing. <laughs> I agree. I was like, that's a decent bit. <laughs> yeah, if you're a shocking comedian. Yeah, that and I think the ape of God as a name is I thought that was pretty good. Um, I actually I, I really liked him. I felt he had a very Alan Rickman vibe in this like I could see a younger Alan Rickman playing this role and the way that he was singing I actually thought he had a very good voice I was shocked to see how good he fit in that role and scary drunken uh, power hungry Adam Driver is actually very terrifying I think it's pretty safe to say this movie just doesn't work if he's not there like I don't know who else you would have got to do I mean Alan Rickman not being with us anymore <laughs> <laughs> right. you say, Brian. When he was younger. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know who any actors are anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you really needed to bring in an actor. Like, it couldn't have been an actor who has this massive Broadway voice either, because that wasn't the style of his character. His character was the very everyman going through problems in life. So he couldn't have this big, powerful voice. But then when they unleashed it in the um, the courtroom scene, they really allowed Adam Driver to really sink into his voice and allow him to just let go was where you got the real, like that scene was great. And I thought he was very appropriately cast for this production. I also really liked it. I don't know if this is the point to talk about it, but I liked that. I guess all of the music was recorded live. 
Oh, was it? It was yeah, recorded on that. set. Yeah. The um, singing, at least. Yeah. The singing. So you didn't get the, you auto-tune. don't get the auto tuning or the, the stylization from a recording. You oh. get it very raw, which means it's not always perfect. And I loved that about, I loved that about this was that you had those moments where they may have been not quite perfect at pitch or it, it was, it was raw. It felt raw. And then Adam Driver and his style of singing just added more to that. Yeah, everything, every time they were singing, including in that scene that I'm sure we're going to talk about. Let's talk about it right now. All let's, right. Let's discuss the reason I assume those people left our theater. <laughs> Naked Adam Driver. Well, I don't think that's why they were. It's true. <laughs> not just that. What? There was something else that happened? I'm not talking about, I don't. It's your movie. <laughs> you're the one who was like we need to talk about this on a podcast yes but what i wanted to talk about was not necessarily this scene it was the overarching like commentary that happened towards the end you don't want to talk about thrusting adam driver oh he was really naked oh it's the thrusting adam driver i thought it was the oral sex performing adam driver <laughs> i think it was i think it was probably both <laughs> i think it probably was not it was not the movie that the audience we shared was expecting, <laughs> even though it's rated R. I don't know what you don't know what you thought. What got me was that knowing now that the entire thing was recorded while singing on set, yeah, doing oral yeah. sex. He he legit was yeah singing down there. <laughs> I can imagine that being a very interesting scene to record. Yeah, it yeah, was. I think there's interviews where she talks about it. Yeah. Definitely a bit shocking to see the first time around, but I, well, not least not more. It was definitely shocking to see, but it actually. <laughs> second time it came around. Second, third time, much better. <laughs> Fourth and fifth. Eh. <laughs> but after seeing it, it didn't distract me from the rest of the movie. I kind of left my mind after that point and not until reflecting upon the movie that I was like, oh yeah, that did happen. There's a lot of scenes like that in this movie. Oh yeah, and you were on Amazon Prime. Like you could have kept rewinding we had to we had to just sit through the whole movie that you can't yell up the projectionist go back and do that scene again <laughs> yeah the other scene that that happened with was there was that scene that comes later where Anne falls asleep in the limo and then they sing that song about the women who are accusing oh, yes. henry mchenry of you know abuse some sort of abuse and i was like oh this is going to be a super important plot point and then at the end of the movie i was like Wait, they never brought that back up again. Well, I think that's her dream, right? Yeah, I couldn't figure out whether it happened or not, or whether it was just, yeah. So I think that's her dream, right? Like, I think that's more meant to say that some part of her doesn't necessarily fully trust him at this point. That she's maybe worried that he's abusive. I mean, I initially, yeah, also was like, wait, what's going on here? And I think that's partly just because Leos Karak's doesn't like connecting all the dots for the audience. He wants them to sort of do some of the work. He's not interested in making it crystal clear. So I think this this may be one of those instances where he was just like, yeah, they'll figure it out. Yeah, and I guess the way that I figured it out was just that it didn't come up again. Yeah, I definitely read a couple interviews, or not interviews, a couple reviews that were like, this never came up again. What the hell, man? <laughs> I think it, it was a thing, something within our current mindset, right? With the Me Too movements and people coming forward. And I think it was something that the audience could grasp onto to foreshadow that he may not be exactly what we seem. 
for her, she's dreaming. And so it's getting blown out of proportion. But what of that time of our time period are we going to think about? That's exactly what, you know, that's one of the big things that people think about when you think of, oh, I married a monster. And I think in her brain, that was her way of saying that, okay, I don't trust him. There's something coming. We find out that, you know, later on that, well, he is not as gentle of a soul as we assumed. And maybe those things did happen, but I don't, I don't think they necessarily came up in the moments that we're like that we see, or maybe it did and we didn't actually see it. We just know he's now potentially a violent person. Yeah. So I think a st- yeah, a stand-up set really gives you the sense that he's a self-destructive person. But I, I guess until the moment that something really bad actually happens, I don't. No, no, don't. Spo- yeah. We're spoiling the hell out of this. All right. So Adam Driver's character, his star is falling, and her star is rising, and this clearly gets to him. They all go. I guess they're trying to save their marriage by going out in the yacht, and she falls off the side. Well, it isn't 100% clear that he is, he's done anything intentionally, but he's the reason she's out uh, during the storm, and he probably could have saved her had he not been completely smashed, or completely drunk, so... We know what smashed means, thanks. Well, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> it could have been, uh, it was ambiguous, I suppose, during a storm. He could have been smashed by something else. Anyway. Can you be smashed by something else? Smashed by Can you be uh, smashed on a boom lower? Smashed on weed? No. <laughs> I meant more like a barrel falls and hits him on the head. <laughs> oh. Oh, I see. Okay. Anyway, I'll cut all that and say Yeah, we skipped over Annette's birth. Oh yeah. Or even anything about Anne, the character and Percy. <laughs> yeah, you don't even want to talk about Anne, huh? It was interesting. I didn't know if I liked her up front. I kind of was like, I wasn't sure if I liked her in that role, um, but I think she definitely grew on me, especially towards the ending when her spirit kind of came back and she kind of basically is haunting him. I think she played the dynamic of that the mother who doesn't really know like how to be a mother while still caring for her child and being a big star professionally. Um, I, did, I think she did a really good job. Yeah, I agree. I think she's great. Yeah, that's just that. Uh, I don't even know how to continue this podcast without talking about like the big thing, which is that. All right, Annette's born. She's a puppet. <laughs> it's a puppet. And not like a an weird American sniper amalgamation or like <laughs> or like a Twilight <laughs> Uncanny Valley thing, like a specifically designed puppet. It's like kind of a wooden Pinocchio-esque on purpose puppet. Marionette. Marionette, yes. You can see her see her joints and, and everything. They were not hiding it at all. It was one. And I, I have a theory on that. By all means. Okay, because as we go on, we find out that the the mother, you know, she dies and or falls off the boat and is somewhere in the ocean. And she comes back and she says she's going to haunt him through Annette. And that's when Annette starts singing. And I think it's this idea that Adam, the Henry McHenry is almost controlling his daughter the way that he would control, like he would control a puppet. She is his puppet to fame and fortune. His star is falling and he's now seeing an opportunity in her. And and, and the entire way through, she start, he starts basically manipulating her as one does a marionette. And then when he's in the jail, his vision of her changes completely. And that's, you know, as again, spoiler alert, that she turns into the, the real girl at the end because now he is seeing her. I think we're seeing the move through the lens of Henry McHenry. And now Henry McHenry is not seeing her as a puppet. He's seeing her as a real girl. And that's when it changed. 
at least that's my theory on why they were using her as a puppet. And the puppet terrified me at the very beginning of when she started. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I actually, I totally agree with you. That's really a good distillation of kind of how I thought about it as well. Uh, I agree that that's what they were trying to do. Um, Does that mean that it's enjoyable to watch the puppet? (laughs) Once I realized it was intentional, because the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's clearly a puppet. And then I saw it again. I was like, oh, that's intentionally a puppet. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, once I realized that that was a, a conscious choice, it didn't, other than her, the fact that the fact that the puppet's features are a little um, unusual, I guess. It, it, it's just kind of like a wide face and weird, big, almost monkey ass. Big ears, yeah. It didn't really bother me. I thought the puppetry was beautifully handled, though. Once you got, once you got past the fact that she was a puppet, if you just watched how they moved her, it was seamless. It was beautiful. Yeah, I thought that was. I, I agree that that was very technically good too, and the way that they were moving the puppet too didn't seem quite like human or baby or toddler like it didn't seem quite right and from what i've read too they're like they were not trying to make it like super accurate to like how a child that age would you know move or behave so it just it gave me this very off-putting feel the whole time which again i think that's intentional but sometimes i think and kind of getting towards my feeling on the whole movie is like just because something's intentional doesn't mean it's a pleasure to watch <laughs> Well, movies aren't designed to be strictly for pleasure. No, well, that's true. I'll say I don't think it's necessarily worthwhile to watch. Did you know about the puppet going into it? Oh, I knew about surprised? the puppet. That's how I was trying to sell it to Kara, which was probably not the best idea. <laughs> I was like, it's Adam Driver and his puppet baby. Come on. <laughs> how could this be bad? <laughs> yeah, we didn't. I don't think either of us knew. So it was a surprise for us. <laughs> At first, I thought there, the whole thing was that Annette was going to be a monkey. Oh. When she was first born, I didn't realize that they were going the puppet route. And then as she got a little bit bigger, you could tell. Yeah, like, like, Obviously, you knew that was purposeful. And I loved the dynamics of the actors acting with the puppet because they truly treated it like um, like it was real, a real child. I, yeah, just yeah. like, you know, how you sit on a, on, a, on a puppet like a real baby. <laughs> I mean, it almost added to the creepy factor of it, right? It's like, do they not realize that? Hey, when you're a parent, you do dream about having done something like that accidentally. I mean, that oh, was a dream sequence. Chi- yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's something you're deeply concerned about for, you know, at least a few months. And I think that goes to the idea of seeing everything through his eyes, like sitting on her or, it, you know, I mean, you can't do that with a real child, right? Like it is all very abstract in that way. And sometimes you have to think like, wait, wait did this really happen? Or is this in his head? Or are these your fears? So you didn't like the puppet? I So Bran mentioned that she liked the way the different actors interacted with the puppet. And I did, but it was so strange how it felt different for each actor. Like Adam Driver is the only, of the actors, the only one where I felt his acting style matched the sort of weirdness of the puppet. And I guess maybe that's going to, yeah, what you're saying, Bran, about it being through his perspective. But especially Simon Helberg, who plays the accompanist, is... It's just really, really strange to watch him interact with a puppet because he does it so like straight, like he has genuine affection for it as a child. And so I think it's actually acting quite good, but when combined with a puppet, it just feels so bizarre. Well, I watch him and I'm like, it's a man singing to a puppet. Whereas when Adam Driver's singing with the puppet, I'm like, this is 
some weird, strange other level stuff. Well, why is that any different from, you know, any CGI creature that shows up in all these movies that's not really there? At least this time he has something to actually interact with rather than a gold or a silver ball that's sitting in his hands that he has to think is... Right, like your argument right now is that Simon Halberg did too good a job of making the puppet seem like a real baby, and I don't like it. He did a good job of making it seem like he was interacting with a baby that is clearly not a baby. So well, the... just because it's not a baby to you doesn't right. mean it's not a baby to him. He doesn't see her as a puppet. I mean, and again, I don't know that that's not intentional. I'm sure it is. Favorite part of these episodes is we get to do a deep dive into Charlie's psyche and how he really <laughs> feels about things. What's and what's interesting is what about that scene, like with the piano playing. I actually cried. Um, for me, it was one of the most beautiful moments of the of the show. So it's interesting how where your interpretation, like how you where you're coming from it and how like I come from it are completely different. And because him playing, it was a moment where you kind of allow yourself to think, okay, wow, this really is a child. And because for him, if we're thinking about it through the lens of Henry McHenry, he does see it as a puppet. He basically, you, you said that too, like you're, he treats the puppet like a puppet, but the rest of the world doesn't see it. He sees it as a puppet, which is almost creepy because he's seeing these other people react to this puppet as a human. And I think the the accompanist did the perfect job of that because he allowed you to feel exactly what you're supposed to feel. That awkwardness, which is the way Henry McHenry would feel. He's like, why are you giving affection to this thing that is just an object? This hmm. doesn't make sense to me. And so I think you're supposed to feel what you're exa- exactly what you're feeling right now. Yeah, I like that interpretation as seeing it through his perspective and how he would view these things because that kind of puts my feelings in perspective a little bit better. And I think you're, you're meant to see it that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's... Quickly move on and talk about the music a bit. The, the only reason I went. Right. <laughs> it's quite good. Yeah. No, it's it's basically, if you told me Sparks was writing a musical, uh, I would have expected something more or less just like this. Right. It's got that sun through feel that's very similar to their 2009 radio opera, The Seduction of Ingmar Bergman. There's some themes, but it's not like a Pasek and Paul greatest showman kind of thing where it's all about like the catchy melodies and stuff. I mean, there's a couple catchy melodies here and there, but that's not like the focus of the music. I'm going to say something and Brian's going to disagree with it. But my favorite song is the opening number. Yeah, but it's not your favorite. No, it's not. And I hope I have a chance to talk about my favorite song. I think that's a great start. That's a, that's another thing, right? Is the movie opened by acknowledging the artificiality of the movie? It's almost like a stage play where they're like, "Hey, this isn't real, but we're gonna pretend it is." Kind of ends that way too. And it ends that way, yeah. Oh, it okay. ends the way it started. Yeah, yeah, it ends the way it started. Uh, and I'll agree with you. I my favorite song was the first song, <laughs> and I like the ending of it too. I mean, that's not to say I didn't like. Uh, I I like the music in the middle, but I. I think after that first, you know, what is it? Shall we begin or may we start? May we start? Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm really on board for this. Like, I'm interested in what's going to go on in the rest of this movie. And then it takes a very different, different direction after that. Yeah. I couldn't decide if that was a, if that song title was a pun or not. Well, because the lyrics are like, so may we start and then may we, uh, you know, it's a French director. Oh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. With them, it probably was. Wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. So I, I think the other songs are good, and it's fun to play, if you're a Sparks fan, name that song from that Sparks album, because they use some of their 
other songs oh, with redone words for the most part. Yeah. But uh, So my favorite song was the one in the jail. Oh, yeah. Yes. The, the duet between Adam Driver and the girl. And that girl, holy cow, was that girl incredible. I haven't seen a child actress or a child actor be able to emote in such a way. While singing. While singing with such adult themes. I was bawling my eyes out during that entire scene. It was, and the music itself was hauntingly beautiful. What she would sing with him, that whole dynamic where he realized now she's a real girl. Like she is a child and she was basically, he says, why can't I love you? And she goes, you just can't. Like, rip out your heart. I mean, that girl, I wanted to make sure that we at least talked about that briefly, is the girl that played Annette at the end was incredible. Yeah, and the feeling I got there was like, oh, why couldn't we just have her be in the entire movie, but instead of a puppet, but that's exactly how you're supposed to feel. (laughs) And still her voice as the puppet. No, that's true. Yeah. I think that's the point, is that she was there. She was there the whole time. It was her. We just didn't see her. Now we see her. I only saw the movie once, so I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty confident you can play the game of Spot the Male Brothers throughout the movie. Oh, yeah. At least a couple times. Like, not even just, like, when they were, like, the pilots of the plane, right? But, like, there's a couple scenes where I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's Ron and, like, the crowd yelling at them as they take uh, Henry McHenry into the prison. Or, I, you know, I thought I saw him as one of the... Uh, one of the audience during one of his uh, his uh, comedy shows. Adam Driver was, I think, cast, or he was trying to be the older brother, the one, the piano player. Ron. Ron. And then I think the accompanist was supposed to be the younger brother. Russell. Russell. And like, if you put the two of them together, they actually look very much like the, the, the brothers. I felt that was a kind of an interesting oh. dynamic. I almost want to go back and watch it again to see if I could recognize that a little bit more. I think I heard at one that, yeah, the initial plan and like early planning stages was for them to play the main roles. Except that that was like 10, 15 years ago, because this has been in production for a long time. And so at some point they just they had just decided like, yeah, we're just we're too old to play the main roles, but we can still do the music and show up and stuff. Yeah. So I want to ask one question before we wrap up. That's been bugging me. Can she actually fly? <laughs> When she's attached to drones. Or or is that more Adam Driver... Performance level uh, puppetry. Well, no. Is that Adam Driver's perspective? Like, that's how he sees her. Her talent as making her soar or whatever. Yeah, I think it's that. Because she comes in on drones on that last one. So she's yeah. not flying in herself. But I was wondering if that was part of her magic or if that's just the stage production side of the magic. It's just that she has a beautiful voice at the age of three. Yeah, I... I no idea. I think it's just either way. A little column A, a little column B. It might just be a combination. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to declare that she can fly and that she's a superpower. Oh, good. She's, she's superpowered. This is a superhero movie. Um, this is part of the MCU. <laughs> oh, I the thought the male this... cinematic universe. <laughs> M-A-E-L. I thought you were going to say M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> directed this, it turns out. <laughs> we only found out at the very end of the movie. It's part of the split, uh, unbreakable universe. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I watched Glass on a Plane, which is probably the best way to watch it, but <laughs> it doesn't mean I particularly uh, enjoyed what was happening. Yeah, final thoughts, as you said. Would you uh, would you recommend that everyone go see Annette? 
There aren't many people I would recommend it to. I think it's interesting to talk about. I just still really don't know what I think about the puppet. I mean, I can grant I that all. I can grant that maybe all the things that Brienne and you are saying about it and the reasons for the way it was in there were intentional and have a purpose. But it still was just weird to watch that little puppet baby for <laughs> for that long. <laughs> Again, you're you're not supposed to go to movies to feel safe all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the MCU, Charlie. This is the MCU. See, you're the one who's insisted that I uh, watch all those movies, and now you're complaining that that's all, all all I want. Well, we had cinematic respect to balance you back out, and now it's gone. <laughs> now it's just sunshine and rainbows and superheroes the whole time. <laughs> uh, which is to say that I think I largely agree. Well, I don't agree with the puppet thing. I, I think that's your hang-up. You can deal with it. Um I don't know that it's a movie I would recommend people seeing unless they were like, oh, that does sound interesting. Maybe I'll go check it out. But with a lot of disclaimers, I think. Yeah. I think if you're a Sparks fan, I think it's perfectly entertaining. I enjoyed it as a Sparks fan. I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed the acting. I don't know how much I necessarily enjoyed the story itself, but in some ways it's like that doesn't matter because it's more about the music and the acting. So yeah, if you're interested in an art rock opera, seen through a French art film lens, I still think that's the best way to describe it. And if that sounds like not your kind of thing, then I don't think this is going to change your mind. Yeah, I would recommend it to those that I feel like would enjoy it. And how would you know if you're going to enjoy it? Your standard musical theater group, I would say no, because they're going to go into it thinking you're getting Dear Evan Hansen that we saw in the credits. (laughs) No, in the trailers. In the trailers, excuse me. Have you seen that trailer, Charlie? Uh, I think so, yeah. The weird dollar store art garfunkel vibes uh-huh. yeah you know this isn't la la land it isn't thank goodness for that i know um it's not your greatest showman but if for someone that appreciates art and whether that's art that's music art musically or even you know any sort of art that can understand that there is meaning behind the surface those are the people that i think would really enjoy this film um, or at least get something out of it. Other than that, I would almost feel like it's a waste for that person to spend that time. Because if you don't see past the surface, it is a really weird movie. But if you're willing to really kind of tear apart, break apart the onion, or take off the layers and really start digging into it, I find myself loving this, like liking this movie more and more and more. And I want to see it again because I'm like, oh, I want to see if what I was saying was right. But a standard person may not, like, I don't think they would get the nuances um, behind it. So I would recommend it to those that I feel would enjoy the movie rather than just everybody and their brother. Cause I also don't want someone to go see the movie and then come back and tell me they hated it. And I'm like, well, you didn't get it. I'm like, it's like, I don't even want to waste their time. It's not for you. Right. <laughs> so I would recommend to those that I think would understand what they were trying to do. I thought it was interesting that you started use the word love and then you backpedaled immediately and shifted to like, <sighs> because I don't think I can say that I love this movie, but it's a movie that I like, I love it for different reasons. It's not because the music was 100 and I want to go singing the music, you know, and it, it wasn't that it was it's it's a piece of art that it kind of grows on you as you think about it more. Yeah, I think it's a movie that appeals to me more on an intellectual level than on a visceral level. Like I can appreciate it more than I can fall in love with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you've not seen the movie, but you've listened to us spoil it in its entirety, through the end of this podcast and you've listened to that recommendation and you still think you'd like it, (laughs) you can watch it on Amazon Prime. 
or possibly in the theater yeah. still. So that one person in the world out there. By the time this goes up, uh, I don't know, man. That didn't already know the movie existed. <laughs> well, we've done it for someone. <laughs> what are we going to see? Well, it's either this or Shine Chi. Well, let's do this. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, well, yes, for another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. And I'm Adam Gobeski. And a special thanks to our lovely guest, Brianne Gobeski. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, next time it's episode 200, where, Woo! spoiler alert, we don't know what we're doing. Puppets, though. Definitely puppets. a puppet. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have, we'll just bring our friends in on the show, but as puppets. <laughs> Paul voices them all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that might be really funny. Yeah, it's probably funnier in concept than execution. <laughs> we'll see. Something to look forward to. That's the episode. Thanks so much for listening. While you wait for the next one, you can check us out in the meantime on Facebook and Twitter. Or you can go to GobeskiWallsReport.com. And from there, everywhere. Everywhere? There's not a place you can't go. It's a game. You start a website, you try to get wherever you want to go. Well, I look forward to the leaderboards. Hello and welcome to a Gobeski Wallace Report addendum. I had to rush everyone to the end of the episode because I had somewhere to be. It's my fault that we didn't quite get to say everything we wanted to, so we're going to take a chance right here in the tag to do that. I really love Simon Helberg's performance. There was a particular scene that I can't believe we didn't talk about where he's conducting his orchestra. He has a lot of emotionality and physicality behind his performance. And the camera's rotating around him as he excuses himself from the audience to conduct temporarily. And then as the music stops swelling, he comes back and starts addressing the audience again to do his monologue. I thought that was great. I thought it was funny. I thought it was one of the better scenes in the movie. Uh, I also want to say that I kind of come around more to Brianne's way of thinking about this. I think all of the feelings that I had uh, when I saw people interacting with puppets was probably from the perspective of Adam Driver. And in that way, it makes a lot more sense. I think I've got a little bit more respect for the movie upon reflection does that mean there's anyone that I would recommend it to that I wouldn't have when I recorded? Uh, I don't think so. But still, if, at this point, you'll know if you want to see the movie or not. Anyway, here's Adam and Brian. Hi. So this is the part of the episode where uh, there's a tag. Except I, uh, I understand Charlie has already done a tag. He wanted us to describe some extra thoughts we had about the movie that we didn't get a chance to voice uh, earlier. I don't know what he said because it's a tag and he recorded it separately. So I assume it was just praising me. Uh, he came around to my point of view. So that's good. We're all satisfied by that. And yeah, I don't know that there was anything else to discuss about the movie. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about the birthmark? Oh, yeah. I guess that is the biggest mystery of the movie. Uh, what's up with Henry McHenry's birthmark? It just starts this small little thing and slowly starts to take over his face as the entire thing starts going. What the heck is up with that? It's it's a mystery. Uh, I guess we'll never know. I guess not. Also, Tyler's here. Hi, Tyler. Hey!